I just wanted the garden to be something magical and something that gave me pleasure. And I could not, I didn't know how to start, how to make that happen. Welcome to My Garden, My Life, the podcast that inspires you to grow with your garden. I'm Sarah Layton, founder of Growthly, and my mission is to inspire and support you to enhance your life and mental health by growing your ownership of that precious space outside your home. When we make space in our lives for ourselves, anything is possible. I share conversations with people who inspire me, who have a passion for their garden, plants or flowers which enhances their life. And I do this because I want to inspire you to get out there and give it a go, gain confidence, make the changes you want to your garden and feel the joy that comes with taking ownership and action out there. Your garden, balcony, window boxes even, can literally change your life. Today my guest is Fiona Duncan, who travels the length and breadth of the UK in her role as Chief Hotel Critic for the Daily Telegraph, and where she's had a regular column for the past 15 plus years. Although always loving the gardens she's visited as part of her job, she felt extremely despondent about her own, which surrounds the thatch cottage where she lives and where her husband grew up, just not knowing how to start or feeling capable as a gardener. We were introduced as this situation has changed and Fiona is now passionate about her garden and the benefits it has brought to her life. And I was keen to explore with her how this transformation in feeling came about and what it means for her. We had a really lovely conversation and please do keep listening to the end as we move on to exploring Fiona's favourite hotel gardens, all in varying price brackets and all very enticing. Hello Fiona, it's lovely to have you here. Hello Sarah, lovely to be here. Oh, we've just had a really lovely chat. I always do this, I always say this because we're in the moment and we have, you know, it feels real. We've just had a lovely chat and worked out exactly where to go, haven't we? And we decided we'd start by talking about your experience with your garden and what's been going on recently with you and it. So would you like to tell us about that? I, I would indeed. So my situation is that, oh, about, gosh, 25 years ago, maybe even 30, we inherited a, a, th- a large thatched cottage in the New Forest. My husband's mother had lived here for many years. My husband was uh, lived here since he was about 12. And she died and we decided to try and keep it on. So we downsized in London to a flat. Yes, it was 25 years ago. And we used the cottage, which was in a pretty rundown state, as a as a weekend place. And we continued to do that for many years. It has a very large garden. It's got a garden of uh, three plus acres. It's got a an ex garage also thatched, which is also which is a holiday cottage, which has a separate garden, and we let that out uh, for holiday lets, and that's how we managed to afford to stay here. And the garden, it's a very wooded. It's a woodland garden. Oh, lovely! Yes. Well, you say lovely, Sarah, but it was quite run down anyway because my mother-in-law, you know, she was elderly and unwell and not really able to care for it anymore. And for years, 
I didn't know what to do with it. I just didn't know how to cope with it. And I frankly went about it in the most dreadful way. It's got a couple of large flower borders near the front of the house. And I dealt with this by going, frankly, to the local garden centre who must love me more than anyone in the world because I I went there and I threw just bought flowers and plants that I thought looked pretty and I shoved them into this these borders and I f- watched them die because I didn't know what I was doing. So many people do that because it's not easy to know how to start. You know, I say this a lot because there's this myth that we're supposed to be gardeners. We're supposed to know what we're doing. Oh, that's so I don't quite know why, but there is. That's so comforting because um, I've got a lot of girlfriends who really are very natural gardeners. And I used to go to sort of garden to, to um, gardens open to the public with them and they would know all the Latin names and have little competitions as to who could say the name first. And that's Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's very painful. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I never had a natural affinity for gardening. And frankly, I, I still don't, although I have come to embrace it and love it and enjoy it so much more. And I've been on a huge learning curve and um, I, I've been massively helped by someone. So tell us about that, because I know... That your gardener interviewed you, didn't you? <laughs> yes. So we had the odd garden. We did have gardeners, but we never really, they were sort of people that we found through an ad or something. And I don't think they ever really got into the garden and we never really particularly gelled. And they wouldn't come that often because we, you know, it was difficult to afford them and so on. And so it wasn't until the last gardener had left and the garden was in a right old state and I was talking to the chap at the garden centre and I said I'm desperate for a gardener and he said well there is this girl called Ruth Farley she's just started to take on her own clients and Ruth came to see me and she's absolutely wonderful person she's 31 years old I think now and she was trained at Wisley. She's got a PhD in geology of some sort, some sort of geological thesis. Uh, but she decided that what she wanted to do was to do proper gardening, but do it in a meaningful way. So she was only taking on clients that she felt that she could actually work with. And she looked at my garden and she looked at me and she said, listen, I'll take this garden on, but I'll do it only on one condition. And I said, what's that? And she said, that you garden with me so that I can teach you about your garden. And she didn't say it in a nasty way or a bossy way or anything like that. She just said it because she knew she's an incredibly intuitive person. And she knew that I was not in tune with the garden in any way. And she felt that this would be the best way to make me instead of just sort of giving orders and her reporting what she'd done. And she was so right. And she has changed my life in in doing that. She's changed your life. And what time do you have to get up? (laughs) Ruth is a bionic woman who climbs (laughs) when she's not literally gardening all day. And she's she's not an airy fairy gardener. She's she's very physical. You know, she can chop things and cut things and dig things and dig things out faster than you can say 
you know, Jack Sprite. But she starts very early in the morning. She lives in Southampton, comes to me at seven o'clock on a Friday morning, and we garden from seven till 10, pretty intensively, but chatting all the while. Fantastic. And, and you said she's changed your life. So, so obviously, that's where I'd like to dig a little bit. What, what, what's that about? What's, what's happened? Well, she's changed my life in that she's made me, uh, she and lockdown, I think. And the garden, and the gardening, and you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the garden, I mean, ch- changed my life is perhaps too too great a thing to say, but she's certainly improved the quality of it. Because this garden, if you could see it, it, it is huge and it surrounds us. And it was always alien to me. And so at the beginning of lockdown, we started living here full time. And we haven't changed that because Ruth and lockdown came, well, Ruth came to me in August 2018. So not long after that came lockdown. And the two things have made me understand, like I think it's happened with you as well, that living in the country is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. and. The garden, instead of being this frightening thing that just make, made me cry every time I looked at it, has become a joy to me. And I was out of control of it, and now I'm in control of it. She still comes on a Friday. Do you, how does that manifest, that feeling of the difference between having it feeling alien and you being out of control of it, and now feeling as though it sounds like you feel like you have a more sense of a conf- a, a relationship with it, a sense of understanding it more. Exactly. She's taught me, because we garden together, she's taught me what works and what doesn't work. And she's taught me how to look at the garden in a sort of aesthetic way. I would just look at it and think, oh, help. But, I mean, one of the first things she did was to, th- th- there's a sight line all the way to the end of the garden. You can see all the way to the end of the garden, but it narrows halfway along. There's a big lawn and then it narrows. And I always wanted to have some sort of object at the far end of the garden that t- to take your eye to it. And I could never afford a sort of statue or anything like that. And there was this white garden bench in a just off to one side. And she said, let's put that there. And it just changed everything straight away. And actually, at that point, I think I fell in love with the garden. Because you had a focus. Yes. Sense the sight line suddenly. A sight line without a focus is actually quite painful. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. And suddenly I wanted to go to the bottom of the garden, which is wild. And um, um, we've made a wildflower meadow down there and there's a pond down there. And I used to never never want to go near it because it just, it rather frightened, you know, it gave me a bad vibe, actually. The whole garden gave me bad vibes. So when you say that bad vibes, do you, do you mean when you were thinking about it or looking at it, you felt bad about yourself? Yes, it didn't give me any joy or make me happy. It was just a threatening thing. Well, I've got to deal with this thing. What, what am I going to do about this? Exactly, exactly. And it's had, how can I put this? I mean, my mother-in-law was an amazing woman who'd done amazingly brave things in in the war. She was a ferry pilot who, who flew Spitfires from air base to base and things like that. And she was she was an incredibly feisty woman, but she was a very difficult woman too. And the garden had a lot of unhappiness in it, I felt. Right, okay. Uh, and the trees, all these trees, 
they were not kindly. They were full of shadow and uh, they were over Yes, I could. I just didn't love this garden, but I was. this was my home. And we just had a very small flat in London at this point. And I just wanted the garden to be something magical and something that gave me pleasure. And I could not, I didn't know how to start, how to make that happen until Ruth came. And then we started making sight lines. We started cutting things back and we started creating space. We completely replanted the flower borders. She designed new ones, which have worked just so well. And and are you feeling now as if you begin to understand the process, understand what choices you're making and why and how plants actually work, what you need to be thinking about? I am. I mean, I'm incredibly slow at learning. I have to be retaught every year about how to prune properly. <laughs> and and you know what, that's fine. It's it's life, isn't it? We remember some things and we don't yes. remember, yeah. Yes, well, I, st- yeah, exactly. And I do still rely on her enormously, but there is a rhythm now uh, to our lives, which I love. So we, last Friday, uh, we planted loads of bulbs around a tree and this was bulb planting time. And we've also, something that's given me huge pleasure, I never had a com- any kind of compost before. I know the first thing about compost but we've created we now use my own compost for all our wonderful yeah compost which is and my compost bins numbers one two and three I'm so proud of them (laughs) (laughs) absolutely right isn't that just lovely yeah yeah we do a lot of work there yes and we we shape hedges into waves together and there is a there is just a rhythm to this garden now and I now look on it and I don't feel frightened by it and I don't feel overwhelmed by it. And I can hear the pleasure in your voice. As you said, we we cut waves into the hedges. I could hear yes. that sort of wave of, of pleasure. Exactly. And the pride in your compost. Yes, she'll come and she'll say, Now don't you think that this hedge here would look rather wonderful if it was a if it was waves and and she comes up with these marvelous ideas and then we set to work and i think that's interesting because if you're someone who doesn't necessarily have the creativity in that direction you know i believe we're all creative we have creativity somewhere some of us are writers and some of us are aesthetic and some of us can draw and and she has a, an eye for making a garden and, and and I have that eye too, you know that that awareness of oh we could do that and how could we make that look better and but the fact that that you know the really brilliant thing that she did was to say we will work together because otherwise her eye I would still have remained divorced from the garden even if she'd said to me right I've done this during the week could you do that even that wouldn't have been the same. It's the fact that we're creating, we're changing this garden together and we're making it viable and livable with and pleasurable. Is the, it, it, That's been the really wonderful thing. And it sounds as if you've got a relationship there that's also very valuable. You've said a couple of times how intuitive she is and how she was able to see. And, you know, I wonder if there was another layer to that intuition when she first met you that actually it would be really good for you to be getting engaged with the garden and nature and the sea. Well, I don't know. She does tell a story of how 
uh, she, <laughs> I don't know, you can, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I, uh, we were on, on the sort of the first day or the, the second time we were together, we were, I was pulling things out. We were pulling things out. I can't even remember what, but I love destroying. I'm a terribly destructive gardener. The thing I like best is sort of getting rid of stuff and everything. And we were pulling all this stuff up and I was absolutely loving it because it was all going, it was coming out really easily. And I said, oh God, this is better than sex. (laughs) (laughs) Ruth Ruth took tells me that, you know, she did go away thinking, oh, my God, what have I got here? Oh, <laughs> um, oh that's a shame. <laughs> um, anyway, we can be ourselves with each other. That's the thing. And I can swear if I feel like it. And um, she's just a very easy, lovely person to be with. And I think there's something about pulling stuff up and taking that control and being able to be physical in a way which is just you. You know, there's no... You know, if we take that metaphor of sex, there's no negotiation or discussion. It's not about someone else and you. It's just you and the and the thing that's dead and that it's coming out and 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 the physicality. I think as well Absolutely. Is, is a way of expressing. You know, we can express anger by getting physical. We can. We have this sort of. You've energy. hit the nail on the head. You've hit the nail on the head. That's what it was. It was a sort of release of energy, really. And you were doing good uh, in the garden as well. And there was a lot of stuff to pull out, I can tell you, this garden. Yes, and then it's going to go on your compost bin. And, what, what wonderful, what, and go back in and that wonderful Yes, cycle. or into my shredder, which I have now bought. Wonderful. The wood, the wood all goes into a shredder and then onto the compost bin. Oh, fantastic. And then that, of course, is, as you said, you know, you spoke about the cycle of life, the, the cycle of the year. And then, of course, there's the cycle of our lives and the getting older. And, and I was talking to my guest last week. Jane Perone about compost and the idea of well she was talking about the fact that she'd quite like to be composted <laughs> what a wonderful yes I'm with her I'm with her there I think it would be splendid why not if one could you know, enrich the soil absolutely exactly why you know absolutely exactly so this sense of of us being part of nature and nature is us and we are yes. it. I'll ask to be put into my. I'll ask to be put into my hot bin. That should do the trick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a hot bin as well as compost. I've got a hot bin as well. Yes, yes. I haven't been very successful with my hot bin. Well, funnily enough, R- Ruth's aunt is a, is a is a gardener as well, and a rather a well known one, though I can't remember her name. But she is a hot bin expert, and uh, apparently. Neither Ruth nor I can manage our hot bins very well, but I will say that I do get jolly good compost at the bottom of it, nevertheless. Well, that's fine. I, I didn't written, no, well, mine actually currently, I'm ashamed to say, is out of use because I got so disillusioned with it. But what I didn't realise is how often you have, when I, when I decided to get it, I didn't realise that it's like having another pet. Exactly, you have to keep feeding it, and you have to keep feeding it so much. Yeah, mine's full of. I haven't, I haven't had time to get back into the rhythm of it, or I haven't. No, I haven't. I probably had time, but I haven't prioritised that time to doing that. And it is on my list. Of, on the list, yes, yeah, it's yeah. on the list. <laughs> yeah, and the shredder is also on my list as well. Yeah, that's been wonderful, and there's something incredibly satisfying about sticking. A huge, great, long sticks and and branches, and and they just go. <laughs> <laughs> I love my shredder. Yes, the, 
Well, there's power in there as well. That's got power, isn't it? You put it in and out the cow comes out. Yes. I don't love it when it gets blocked, though. That's very no. Well, it's taking the control back then, isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so the garden, as well as it being a place of, well, taking your ownership and getting involved and feeling as if you can rather than you can't yes. with it. In terms of mental health and well-being, how has it supported you through lockdown and in life? Yes, well, it's it 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 has become in, it's become a place of refuge now. So when I'm gardening, I also I love sailing on the on the Bewley River. I have a a, a a dinghy, and that has the same effect on me. When you're sailing or when you're gardening, uh, especially when you're gardening with Ruth because you're very busy, then you can't think about anything else. And we've had a pretty rough two or three years. My son has uh, autism and he has had a very bad time with his mental health, which has impacted on us all. He lives with us. And um, it, it became, a, you know, three hours when I really didn't think about anything but the task in hand and how much pleasure it was giving me. Um, and that was that was very soothing. And I mean, I'm not saying that it changed anything uh, and that one didn't, you know, start worrying again straight afterwards, but that it was a lovely three hours in which I could just switch off and in, enjoy what I was doing. Um, and as you say, so rightly, the physicality of it. Yeah. Express the feelings in a physical way. Exactly. And of course, lockdown, talking of lockdown, my goodness, how lucky we were to have that garden. And the other thing that happened in, in lockdown is is my husband's always been good on birds, but I became, you know, I started to understand about the wildlife in the garden. Oh, yeah. And uh, we have got uh, wonderful birds, in particularly masses of siskins. And I was able to, you know, learn, and Ruth helped me with this too, learn bird song, which bird was making which noise, and just watching the birds at our bird table um, the goldfinches and the siskins and the coltits and the oh lovely it was just wonderful and I'd never had time for that before and during lockdown we were able to you know replant the beds widen them do all sorts of things because I didn't have any work at that time because all the hotels were closed and there was no travel. yep so the garden got a lot of attention and many hours from me when you know Ruth wasn't there that's interesting. So that was that you were you've been able to spread the your attention and and do it for yourself as well as do it with Ruth. Yes, exactly, exactly. Now, sadly, you know, now the world is back up and running again. I don't have much time for extra gardening, but during lockdown, I did, and and I really loved it. I, and the garden was just it was just so wonderful to have. And when you talk about it, you sound calm and mm. <laughs> connected and yes I, I I am in tune with it now and we've got it as Ruth said we've got this garden under control we are now in charge of this garden it is not in charge of us and from the, when you get to that state with a garden you can then start to enjoy it and plan for it and uh, and feel relaxed in it. At least that's what I've found. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because there's a lot of thinking or moving towards now the idea of being in control in a less controlled way. 
you know, feeling as though, well, allowing the garden to do more of what it wants to, where, you know, some people are just allowing their gardens to do what they want. Um, I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I I let my garden do what it wants in certain places. You know, I I have areas where... My garden's nothing like as big as yours. I can see it all pretty much from here. But it's there are places where I let the grass grow longer and don't control it in the same way. And then the wildlife's more in control. And I think there's a balance, isn't there? That there's this, this balance of what feels right for me and what feels right for the garden. And how do we make that? find that balance which is the same as in life isn't it how do we exactly that exactly that and um when i say in control i mean ruth is a very she's very into um she's a vegetarian she's um into totally into organic everything she won't use pesticides and anything like that so really what i mean by in control is i mean there are still wild parts of the garden and there's a you know but we know what is what's going on in each area. And we do things like um, every spring we make hazel um, supports for the plants. Do you grow the hazel? Well, it, we have got a couple of hazel trees, so yes, and and that sort of thing. And Oh, I need a roof. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so, yes, so um, when I mean control, I it's still got – it's. If you looked at it now, you could see it was still quite woolly. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so we're not talking manicured garden. Oh God, no. no, no, we're not. No, no, we're certainly not. But it was very overgrown before, and it was very unattractive. Yes, yes, it had been let go too far. Yes, and then it's not pleasurable at all. And I absolutely, I remember working with some people who had decided to take all the shrubs out of their garden because it had got to that state and then just didn't know what to put back. They were in in sort of discussion slash conflict around what to put back because they had different tastes. Yes. But it had become too much as it was. And then it's the how do you... Yes. And I had to find common ground. Yes, uh, very difficult. Same with being an interior designer. You have to interpret their taste, but make them, but make it work. It's very Absolutely. difficult. Yes. And, and get them both engaged, in fact. Yes. So what happened was that it was the, the wife who met me first, and we had a lovely chat because we were walking together on a, on, a, on a walk. And then she thought I would be a good idea. So she brought me in, and he just stood there with his arms crossed when I first arrived. Oh, golly. <laughs> so then it was how, so that's when my sort of knowledge of working with people and my therapeutic skills came in. And I could, you know, I knew how to help him know that this wasn't about him not getting his own way. And it was about him getting to, to, to share what he wanted and her to share what she wanted. And then we could, we could find a way through together. It wasn't about one person and, you know, getting what they wanted and the other not. Exactly. Well, that's, it's interesting actually, because this is in fact, technically my husband's garden. I mean, it was his home, but he has, thank God, given me a, a completely free reign to do what I and Ruth feel is best with it. And sometimes he's a bit you know, he's got, there are various things in the garden, like there's some box, huge box balls, which got completely out of control, but he hadn't remembered how tiny they once were. Right. 
we cut them right back. And in doing so, they looked pretty awful to begin yeah, with. Yeah, to begin with. He had a bit of a fit about that. And there's a rhododendron roundabout uh, uh, sort of island in the middle of our drive, which infuriates everybody because there could be so much more park, uh, space to park cars. <laughs> but he won't have that touched. But Ruth and I, Ruth is some, it was just horrible. It was an island packed with rhododendrons and weeds. And she's, we've taken out all the weeds. I think that's where we were doing the clearing to begin with. And now there's a lovely structure there uh, of, the, of the trunks of the rhododendron. But uh, no, it's, it is very much two women working together and, uh, and a man coming along and saying, oh, that looks better. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's rather nice. Yes. Yeah. So I love, uh, yes, and, I, and I, you were talking earlier about, you know, women uh, working together. But I just feel that this relationship wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened if we weren't two women. Yeah. So is that to do with the quality of the conversation and the fact that you can make a statement like? Yes, yes. We're just sort of in tune with each other because we are both women. And um, not that we sit there and talk about women's things at all, but um, there's there's just a sort of... uh, we're coming from the same place in some way and it's interesting for her as well because you're older than her she's younger than you but interesting for both of you yes I hope it is for her the generational I think it's really cool when we mix generations isn't it exactly and she has a real interest in the people she like you totally understands that gardening isn't separate from the people who 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 have the gardens and she has a great interest and understanding in her clients and they're all very different but uh, she's very keen on uniting the personality of the client with the garden yes and i think that's crucial i think i love i'm i'm going to i'm going to contact her because i think we ought to have a conversation okay <laughs> i think that would be lovely A little break in the conversation to tell you about my garden design and coaching business, Growthfully, which sponsors this podcast because I'm passionate about helping you harness the well-being potential of that precious space outside your home. Instead of looking out the window and wondering how to start, you'll feel supported and encouraged to gain confidence throughout a process that leaves you satisfied and nourished by your outdoor space. I offer a collaboration, sharing my skills with you through coaching and design packages in your garden or online, and I'd love to help you. So if this is something you could do with, please visit www.growthfully.co.uk to find out more and book your free discovery call. We probably ought to talk a little bit about about what you do and and the gardens that you visit whilst you're traveling because because that's part of it isn't it lovely lovely places to stay lovely hotels have often beautiful gardens and they're very very underrated you know you you read a review of a of a hotel and it'll mention this and it'll mention that about the hot tubs and the you know, fancy food or whatever. But very often, even the websites of the hotels themselves don't trumpet that they also have these wonderful, very well cared for spaces, outdoor spaces. That is so weird, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It amazes me. I have just been to a hotel near Stratford-on-Avon called Billsley Hall, 
Billsley Manor. It's just been had four million quid spent on it by some very wealthy investors. It was very run down before, and I knew I, you know, I knew I was going to get sort of modern new decoration and so on and so forth. But what I absolutely didn't know I was going to get was this amazing 130-year-old, fabulous topiary garden uh, with shape. They More recently, they've been the topiary has been shaped into chess pieces and uh, characters from Alice in Wonderland. Amazing. I knew you were going to say that somehow. I'm not sure how. Yes. <laughs> But it was it's absolutely splendid and and there are bedrooms which look over this marvellous topiary garden. I was far more interested in the garden than I was in any other bit of the hotel, you know, the spa or anything else. The garden was beautiful, but nobody, you know, they'd hardly mentioned it. It's interesting because there's a, a magic in the garden, which I think we try and create inside our houses and, you know, at homes and hotels. And, but there's something, the ephemeral touch of the garden is what makes it more difficult to create and to feel confident doing because it changes throughout the year and it changes throughout the age, you know, as time passes. But that's also where its magic is, isn't it? I agree. I absolutely agree. And I mean, uh, you know, if you if you go to a hotel with a beautiful garden, I think it just enhances the visit, you know, the stay so much. Absolutely. As long as it's not absolutely tipping down with rain. That's true. But... Hopefully it's not. And and there's always breaks in rain anyway, anyway aren't there? There's always... There are. I love, I love hotels where there's welly boots and, and umbrellas by the door. <laughs> yes, exactly. Absolutely. But um, it's just so lovely to see. And some of the gardens are... Uh, very important gardens. You know, the, the, a good thing about hotels is that uh, very often uh, houses that would, important houses that would go to rack and ruin or not be looked after properly or you know, going downhill are turned into hotels. And then those houses are given a new lease of life and the gardens are given a new lease of life. Gravetime Manor is an example of that um, with, with these wonderful, uh, Gravetime Manor is an Elizabethan manor house, but it has these very important, William Robinson, uh, who was a pioneer of natural gardening at the turn of the last Absolutely. century. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And they have been just so brilliantly brought back, brought back to life. So we've mentioned uh, Billsley Manor and we've mentioned Grave Tie. You've got, I know you've got a whole list of lovely gardens, haven't you? More expensive and less expensive places. So where would you say your, let's go maybe with three favourite less expensive now and then we'll come back to three more expensive okay there is a very nice inn in yorkshire with a michelin star and it's called the pipe and glass the pipe and glass and it's got a beautiful garden yes well they've created it the owners he's the chef patron and his wife and they you know they've um created a a, a garden from nothing really and it's got hidden arbors it's got yorkshire sculpture it's got a beautiful kitchen garden it's got a herbarium it sounds lovely yeah so there's an example of somewhere it's an inn and yet you can also find a very interesting and pretty garden there yes there's a lovely a new hotel called the falcon and it's all about wellness and well-being it has yoga classes and gong bath meditation classes Lovely. Where is that? It's in Northamptonshire. 
North Island. They're all quite a long way away, aren't they? E, well, it depends on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is on the estate of Castle Ashby, and Castle Ashby Gardens are open to the public. And if you're staying at the Falcon, you get to enjoy the gardens, you know, for no fee. And there's an arboretum there, and there's an orangery, there's a beautiful lake. It's a very peaceful and lovely place. And if you're into meerkats, there's a meerkat menagerie there as well. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I was still thinking Northumberland. You said Northampton, didn't yes, you? Yes, Northamptonshire. Uh, yeah, that's not so far. I was thinking Northumberland. No, no, that's not so far. Yes, where else? There's, a, I mean, maybe this is too far. There's a place called Glyphus, G-L-I-F-F-A. No, no, it's not too far. It's just me being southeast. So oh, you know, I don't don't don't, don't okay. restrict it at all. <laughs> Glyphus is on the River Usk, and that um, has a beautiful arboretum, uh, which I think arboretums are, are, are the most wonderful places. And it's full of Japanese maples and handkerchief trees, and uh, the setting is lovely. And it's a very very peaceful place. It's got very pretty flower gardens as well. Oh, lovely! And that's also somewhere that's not desperately expensive yes exactly exactly so those are our three affordable more affordable options more affordable yes and then then three push the more push the boat out push the boat out well there are so many to choose from i mean i think really a huge favorite of mine is ensley house which is owned by uh, olga Polizzi, who's the sister of oh, yes. Rocco Fidia. Yes. and it, the setting is beyond believe you, you it's a mile long private drive to get there it's in its own valley overlooking the Tamar River and it was built um, at the beginning of the 19th century as a hunting lodge as a shooting lodge for the Duke of Bedford and Humphrey Repton made the grounds and the gardens and they're full of follies and it's just so beautiful I absolutely love it um, so it, it's got formal gardens, but then there are all these beautiful grounds with streams and follies. It and that's wonderful. Very special, yes. So another place which is not going to frighten the horses is actually Congham Hall. Congham, uh, C-O-N-G-H-A-M, which is in Norfolk. And that has got a... A herb garden, which was only made in 1982 by the then owner, amazing herb garden with 400 over 400 varieties of herbs. Wow! So get into your herbs there, and then Gravetime Manor. I've mentioned there's Barnsley House, of course, which is Rosemary Veary's yeah, garden. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is lovely. And then there, well, there are all the pigs, which the, the pigs have their amazing kitchen garden. Yes, I like the pigs. Yes, and they've put they've put kitchen gardens on the map big time. And then that twenty five mile menu where you yes go locally and from the garden. Exactly. There's a place called Bodyscathlin Hall, B O D Y S G A L L E N, and that's just outside Landudno. And that's got an amazing garden, which you, if you go there, you must climb the tower. There's a very ancient tower. And you climb the tower and you can look out over these gardens. It's sort of, I think, 200 acres of wooded parkland, uh, rose gardens, um, rockeries, lily ponds, follies. And there's a rare 17th century parterre of box hedges 
filled with herbs. It it's lovely. gorgeous. And the idea of climbing the tower and being able to see it all. Exactly. And you can see you can see Snowdonia. It's a fabulous view from up there. Yep. So then, and just one more I'll give you, uh, which people might not know about, there's a, a, a called Ascombe Hall. Again, it's not wildly expensive. It's sort of mid-price. And that has a, a, a romantic and quintessentially English mix of kind of formal and informal. Again, it's a you know, it's just a very beautiful English garden. Oh, well, you've given me lots of ideas of places and... Oh, and then in London, uh, because, you know, to find a garden in London is quite something, but you could always go to tea at the Goring Hotel, oh, where yeah. out the back there is this huge, I can't remember how many acres, three acre something, vast garden, yeah, with a huge great lawn. And that's in the middle of Kensington or Nice. It's, it's very close to Buckingham Palace, yes, and that's a joy. That's where Kate left from. That's where Kate left from. Maybe it's a nice idea that maybe she had a little wander in the garden in the morning. (laughs) I hope she did. (laughs) She probably didn't have time, but hopefully she might. (laughs) Trailing around in her dress before going. Oh yeah. (laughs) Maybe she had photos. You could write a book about the gardens as well as the hotels. Yes. (laughs) That would be good. But I, I always I do love a garden. Anywhere, but yeah. uh, I, I, I especially love to find a garden when I go to a hotel. Has that got that feeling increased as you've become more in relationship with your own garden, do you think? Funnily enough, not. I have to say I've always enjoyed gardens. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what made me so unhappy about my own garden. Yes, the comparison. Yes, because my mother was a good gardener, and um, as I mentioned, I have many girlfriends who are very good gardeners, and I felt a total failure. You, you were also had an enormous space, you know. That I do think that, and this is where what I do, I think, is useful. I do think that it's hard to know where to start when you're faced with something really, really big, or even not very big, but but you don't know where to start in it, even if it's small. So getting structure in and layout in and knowing where the beds need to be and where the sight lines should be and how to cover the fences gives you an immediate hook in to starting. That's exactly right. And uh, things like the, the I'm sitting in my in my sitting room at the moment, which looks out onto the garden, and bef- there's a bed, there's a little patio and then a, a bed that surrounds it between the patio and the lawn. And that bed was full of as what Ruth called car park plants. And um, I couldn't see out from here and you couldn't see the patio from the lawn because these plants were just sort of blocking it. And we took the whole lot out and we've replanted it with um, Actea and Animalanthi grassy things and Estrancha. Listen to you with your Latin. Yeah, that. Uh, how about that? I'm a animalanthi. <laughs> well, I say animatheli. Oh, animatheli. It used to be called a, a rundanacea, I think. Well, it's a big grass, grassy thing. Grass with reds and oranges and really pretty grass, yeah. Very pretty grass, exactly. And lots of geraniums and, and it's just totally transformed the, the feel from the house to the garden and the garden to the house. And why I hadn't been able to think of that myself, I don't know. 
at no point did I say, oh, that bed is completely blocking the view both ways. But it, it took Ruth to say, Fiona, that bed is completely blocking the view from both ways. <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh, you know, because your expertise is somewhere else, isn't it? Yeah, but you'd think I'd manage to work that one out. But no, I need... I think sometimes things are right under our noses and we don't see them. And yeah, yeah, I think we have to be kind to ourselves about it and notice what we do do rather than focus on what we don't. Oh, it's been lovely chatting. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a great pleasure. Well, that was a lovely conversation, wasn't it? I'm definitely inspired to expand my reach and explore a couple of the gardens Fiona mentioned. I particularly fancy the pipe and glass in Yorkshire and Castle Ashby. Oh, and Barnsley House and Congham Hall. Actually, really, I'd like to visit all of them. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Until next time. <laughs>